Welcome back to an episode of Backlash Podcast. This week we are going to preview Northern Wisconsin opener because when you hear this episode, it'll be literally days away from a Northern Wisconsin opener, which means everybody in Wisconsin can be fishing muskies. We're just waiting for Minnesota, and we will have a Minnesota preview for the following week. And then, what is it, a couple weeks after that, I think it's Canada, right? Well, hold on, we got one big announcement. Brad's back. So the podcast can resume its uh, its previous status. You know, I've been dragging it down for the last few weeks, Brad. So we're happy to have you back. <laughs> I don't know about that uh, dragging it down. Anyway, no, I'm glad to be back. It's we had a great time down south. Did a bunch of filming for Man's Ten Thousand Cast with Chase Gibson. Had a good time down there. The weather didn't cooperate the way it normally should, but. Hey, guess what? We still got some shows put in the in the can, and uh, it was just nice to be away. Put it that way. I bet. Yeah, you know, you let Carrie run the show, and you get to go off, and it's not like you're not working, but it's different kind of work, right? Yeah, it's a little different kind. Um, when you're on the water, it doesn't feel quite as much as work as uh, standing in a shop. That's for sure. I would know lots about standing in a shop. There's that for sure. But <laughs> it's been good. I mean. Season started off good. Uh, people are still buying stuff. They're still uh, gonna. They're still gearing up to go out and uh, catch muskies. So that's that's a positive thing. Everybody should be excited about right now. You know, everybody in Wisconsin is gonna be fishing. Uh, there's been tons of people fishing down south already, and then you know it's just one more week, and all those anglers in in Minnesota get to go out there. You know, so it's uh, it's a. It, it, this is my favorite time to just have the podcast in general, you know, like once we get past that new year until, uh, you know, April ish, I would say it's sometimes it's a little bit difficult to come up with topics that we haven't rehashed over and over and over, but now we can kind of react to things as, you know, in real time, almost like what, what we're seeing on the water, what, you know, guides are seeing on the water, you know, and then we can actually give you some information to help you catch more muskies. The winter stuff is great, but this is what we all live for, right? Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. I mean, if you think about it, <laughs> it gets to be a, a long five, six months, right? I mean, there's some other people out there fishing throughout the, the winter time, but uh, for the most part, it's it's hard to stay in tune when you live in the uh, frozen tundra like we do. Yeah, and you know, for a lot of us, you guys especially, this year's frozen tundra was even more frozen. You know, northern Wisconsin, they had lots of snow and it, it was just a, uh, we'll call it a somewhat a harsh winter for some people. For me personally, you know, where I live, I was in the middle of the state. It wasn't too bad. We didn't get much snow until like March. Temperatures weren't too bad. So I, I can't complain that way. But, you know, definitely some anglers. Like I said, you're in, you're included in that group, Brad. I mean, you were probably snow, uh, plowing snow every single day. Yeah, I felt pretty much like a county worker all winter. That's what <laughs> my running joke was. I mean, I, I felt like I was running a snowplow business. It was... Uh, it was quite remarkable to say the least. I felt like I was in the skid loader every stinking day. And, uh, when it didn't snow, it seemed like it blew like none other. So then you end up having to move drifts. So it's part of the gig, I guess, living where I live. I love it here during the other part of the year. So I can't complain a whole lot. Right. Well, I mean, you got a lot of musky opportunities right there around you. So that's great. This week, we're going to talk to Steve Jensen, uh, primarily in the Hayward area. We're going to talk to DJ Chapita. He's kind of in the Vilas Oneida area. And we're going to talk to Jeff Vandermortel. He's up in that uh, Vilas Manaqua area. And we're just going to kind of talk about what they've, you know, mo all of them have been on the water already. So we'll give you an idea of what to expect for water temperatures. And, you know, Jeff's been talking to some uh, Wisconsin DNR folk. And we can talk, kind of 
get a little information about that. So that's kind of what's on tap for this week's episode. Just a preview of what to expect. Hopefully we got some tips in here to uh, help you have some success for opening weekend. And then as I mentioned earlier, we are going to do the exact same thing with three anglers from Minnesota for the following week because we got to get the Minnesota anglers fired up. Uh, we've been lacking with Minnesota anglers, so I think we're going to try to actually get the for sure the next two episodes. I think we're going to try to get some Minnesota anglers. And if you are still looking for some gear to get out on the water, make sure you check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. We are your source for lots and lots of different musky uh, items, whether it be rods, nets, line, baits, we have you covered. Now, many, many, many exclusive colors. I know just recently we got some more exclusives in from uh, Grandma Lures. So if you're looking for a, probably I would say the industry leading color selection from Grandma Lures, you can check us out there. And Brad, if they're looking for uh, some gear from Musky Mayhem Tackle, why don't you talk about that? Yeah, if you're looking for any kind of uh, blade bait, whether it be bucktail, flash boo, marabou, I mean, we pretty much have a plethora of different blade styles and baits accordingly. So definitely check us out. It's muskymayhemtackle.com, and you can basically shop right there. Or you can visit uh, Team Rhino, as Jeff said, and any other kind of retailer out there. For the most part, we're everywhere. But uh, we appreciate everybody's business, and uh, thanks for that opportunity. Well, Brad, I think we should just jump into the conversations that we had with these guys and uh, get everybody cranked up for the uh, Northern Wisconsin opener this coming weekend. Yeah, that's for sure, Jeff. You know, one of the things that I was just considering as we were kind of going through this whole rundown was I wonder how many people from Minnesota go participate in the Wisconsin opener and then vice versa. How many Wisconsin anglers are coming over to Minnesota for their opener? Or if that's just something that happens throughout the season and that opener isn't maybe as big a deal. I'm not really sure, but it'd be kind of interesting to actually know. I mean, I could certainly see people living along the border, you know, definitely making that switch over. I would imagine they do it at some point during the season anyway. So if you're a Minnesota angler and you're, you know, kind of that Wisconsin-Minnesota uh, border, I could see you definitely coming over to get a, a week head start. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't know. I would if I was closer, that's for sure. Just kind of curious on how that would all, all run down. I know that there's a ton of people that go to that Hayward area from the Twin Cities each year. So I bet you there's more than we think. Sure. I bet you're right. All right. Well, let's get, uh, let's get to kicking off the uh, Northern Wisconsin Muskie opener. All right, first guest on this uh, we'll call preview to Northern Wisconsin opener weekend is none other than Steve Jensen, Jensen's Fish Hunts Guide Service. Steve, it's probably been, I think I've talked to you one time on the phone, maybe two times on the phone this winter since the Milwaukee show. Is that the one we had you at? Yep, that's correct. All right, a couple things have changed. You know, we're just heading into the opener a couple days away. And based off of Facebook posts I've seen, looks like you're going to be, your clients are going to be riding in style this year. Let's talk about your new ride first. I mean, it's sweet to get a brand new boat and your new boat looks even sweeter than some of the other ones. Let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, yeah, for sure, Jeff. Uh, I did uh, upgrade. I like to turn them over every couple of years, as you know, uh, keep everything nice, uh, fresh and crispy. Uh, I've been pro staff with Recon Boats now for oh, six, eight years, I would say. This is my fourth brand new Recon 985 SC, and uh, that's the model I run. They have all kinds of different models, Jeff, from 17 feet to 21 feet, um, including a new tiller models and the 18 and 20 foot, the new 20 foot tillers out this year. Um, but I love that 985 SC. It's a single console. 
Um, huge deck. Um, allows a little bit of cockpit for people to sit down in. Um, I like to have a steering wheel at this point in my career. Um, it's just a little bit more comfortable than uh, driving the boat from the back. And it has a really nice layout for casting, as well as all my other multi-species stuff, um, which I do a lot of bass and walleye early season. And that layout and that size boat, on my trailer, you know, 50 to 100 miles every day. And so I like that size of boat, and then I'm able to trailer around on all my, you know, gravel roads and little roads and get my boat into some of those little landings and little potholes and um, some of the secret little gems that we fish, as well as be able to go out on Lake Superior. So it's kind of a nice platform to be able to do all that. I really love them, and uh, I will continue to keep running them. Some cool new features this year, um, they added aqua traction flooring in the flooring of the boat, which is super attractive, super comfortable, nice to keep clean. Um, I've been putting vinyl flooring in because I do love to wash the boat out every day, which I do every day. Um, so that aqua traction flooring is going to be really nice for me. And they remolded the decks and uh, put in pedestal seating, which is a little bit different. The upper deck has a new, new layout, and I was able to add the smooth moves uh, hydraulic pedestal seat so we can uh, be even more comfortable on those rougher days out on the big water. Um, so really some cool new attraction or some cool new upgrades, I should say, um, to the Recon 985. And, uh, like I said, they have a ton of different models too. I'm assuming fishability is about the same as the, what we've expected, you know, cause I've been in your Recon many times. I wasn't in it last year, but I have been in it many times and hopefully that changes this year and I get in this new one, but you bet. Same, same fishability front decks, yep, huge, yep, lots of room. Absolutely. Uh, same deck layout. Um, a little bit different like i said uh we uh shortened up some of the side compartments and made them a little bit wider uh, allowing for that pedestal seating which gives you a little more cockpit room and i think that's going to be a really nice feature just to have a little bit more foot room and things like that uh, as far as the decking goes all the same huge and uh very stable um the cool thing about these recon boats it's one of the fastest most nimble hulls i've been in it just shoots out of the hole it's a very stable haul, so you, there's no listing, even if you have three big guys up front. Um, so it's a really nice boat in that way. And uh, she's a musky catching machine, as you know. I love the, I love the ride, and uh, can't wait to get a few muskies in there. We've actually caught a couple uh, little guys here while we've been walleye fishing the last couple of weeks, and I've been seeing a little bit of activity on the water, but uh, uh, certainly ready to get, get going and get after the muskies real serious. Right. And so this year, you know, for gear for your clients, what are you going to be running as far as rods and reels are concerned? Uh, of course, I've uh, been a St. Croix Pro staff for many, many years, over a decade now. So we have the new grass technology in hand, um, which is the new reel seat that they designed over the last off season and uh, came out with this spring over the winter. And uh, boy, it's, uh, it's a pretty cool concept. Uh, the new Legend uh, Tournament Series is even lighter, stronger with the new grass reel seats. Uh, so everybody's going to get to play with those. And uh, I have a myriad of uh, the older Revo Beasts and Shimano Calcuttas are my two favorites, or I mean the Tranks, actually, is what I'm talking about, uh, the 400s and the 500s. We, uh, I have all three different models. Uh, so it's nice to have the, the variability. You have different reel speeds for different applications. And, of course, with rods, you have to have numerous different models for the different applications, uh, depending on what you're throwing and wh what style of lures you're working. If but one guy's looking to buy one rod, what are they looking to buy? It Just like a 8.6 Heavy or something like that? Yeah, so that's a pretty good question. I would say the uh, the sling blade is probably my all-time favorite, which you can get an 8, 6, and 9 foot. Um, it's a fast, heavy action. Um, that's probably my favorite all-around rod. I throw the big dog a lot. I throw the big nasty a lot as well. 
Um, and then for my gliders and jerk baits, uh, you know, I like that uh, jerk model. And the new one is the jerk two, uh, which has that new reel seat. And I'm really excited to get uh, to get some water time with those. Uh, I like those little bit shorter rods for manipulating lures. I uh, like those twitchers and the glide baits uh, gives you a little bit more control. And like I say, the eight six is probably your best all around if you're just to buy one rod. All right, well let's talk. Let's stop talking about gear. We've done enough of that for a little while. What people really want to know is what are these muskies up to? <laughs> I know you do a lot of multi-species fishing before the season starts, so you've been on the water. You have a pretty good grasp on, you know, weed growth, water temperatures. What are you seeing on the water right now? Yeah, so here in Hayward, I'm fishing uh, primarily the Hayward area now, Sawyer County, Washburn, and surrounding area. I'm seeing kind of uh, lower than I was expecting water temperatures. It's been a chilly spring here, Jeff. It continues to be so. I'm saying upper 50s to low 60s, most bodies of water, um, but even mid 50s on the deep clear lakes, especially if you have a big wind blow and churn up the water, there's a lot of cold water down underneath yet. Um, so in that regard, uh, weed growth has been a little bit subdued. Most lakes I'm fishing on, I'm not seeing uh, what I was seeing last year at this point as far as weed growth goes. Um, again, not seeing quite the same water temperatures as we did this time last year. So in general, I would say most of the lakes are slightly behind. And then for like spawning activity, obviously that is always a big question when it comes to this time of year. Yeah. Are these fish going to be, I mean, where, what are you thinking? Are they pre-spawn? Are they in the spawn? Or are they post-spawn? Or or I'm guessing you're going to just go with, there's somewhere amongst all of that because I have they a feeling are. that's where it's going to be. Right. They are, Jeff. Um, they're, they're all over. I will certainly tell you that not all the muskies have spawned here. In fact, on some of those clear lakes, they're probably pretty pre-spawn yet. I did see one pretty decent scarred up fish on the Chippewa flowage uh, two or three days ago um, in a very back shallow bay. We're looking for crappies that actually chased a bobber up that had a piece of reed stuck to it and chased it up very aggressively. I think if it was a lure, it probably would have nailed it. Uh, but very skinny, very uh, scarred up. You could still see all the marks from me, you know, spawning and things like that. Um, I've caught a couple small ones um, just on walleye gear that, uh, we're relatively active, so I mean, we're having some action, but um, in general, I think there's going to be a lot of fish in spawning mode, which sometimes makes the females a little bit tougher to trigger, but it also puts a lot of fish shallow where people are fishing, and so if you have the right bait doing the right move in the right spot, uh, good things can happen on, in these conditions. Uh, some of my favorite years have been when the fish have still been, you know, just finished up, up spawning or in the spawn. Um, I know some areas where, you know, they can be concentrated pretty well. So we'll see if that happens. I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case on most lakes. Um, we do have the crappie just starting to get into spawn. So that kind of gives you a, a reference point as to where the water temperatures are, where the systems are as far as activity goes. Um, and that's my other second pattern is I generally like to fish around crappie spawning areas. And uh, where, where I know the crappies are spawning, there's usually a few muskies residing there too. So do you subscribe to the uh, fishing the northern bay type theory? I mean, that's a pretty common thing that we've heard, you know, 20 years of musky fishing. Right. Is that something you subscribe yeah. to? Um, I, I absolutely keep it in my brain, especially in a cold year. You know, in a normal uh, uh, normal warm on schedule year, I would say it's not that big, or big of a deal or critical of a deal. But um, I would certainly pay attention to it up here in the northern uh, portion of the state just because of how cold the spring has been and uh, uh, how slow the weed growth has been thus far in most of the lakes that I've seen. Um, that being said, you know, we have a lot of different bodies of water here. Some don't even have weeds in them at all. You know, some of our flowages are just, you know, stained water with a lot of wood, um, a little bit of weed growth, very shallow. So 
uh, systems like that, it doesn't really matter as much if you have the weed grow. So sometimes that'll kind of focus me where I want to go fishing too. So let's talk about this a little bit. You, you're, you know, you as a muskie angler, muskie guide, you're out there. I mean, I'm guessing you get your clients started at seven, seven thirty in opening morning, and you'd be off the water by five. If you were just your general average angler, would you say that you know time of day matters? Would you prefer to you know to fish that noon to eight? eight bite if you were just your you know your average weekend angler or would you be out there at seven o'clock in the morning same as you are or in some cases would you just be like hey i'm gonna be on the water at seven i'm gonna get off at dark at some point during that time something is gonna go (laughs) well that's the best plan for muskie fishing obviously the most hours one can devote will uh, create the most results but uh you know, an eight-hour day fishing, musky fishing is a a good long day A, a lot of these guys go eight ten twelve fifteen hours of course Guiding-wise, we generally do eight-hour shifts, and uh, I typically will start in the morning. As a general rule, I want to say a lot of our action will come during the warmer portion of the day, that 12 to 2, uh, but not always. Um, I've had some very good opening days where literally the first few casts of the of the day began uh, with some excellent action two or three years ago. Um, I remember going to a small dark water flowage, which was a place that I might start on opening day this year. And uh, set up my client with uh, a glide bait, which is typically the, the two things I'm going to start off on opening day, especially right off the bat, will be a glide bait and a twitch bait. Um, most likely going to be a hellhound, squirrely hellhound, and a slammer as my twitcher. And uh, I gave my uh, client a white hellhound, uh, put him to work. I turned around and started rigging a second rod uh, with a big game for my second client. And his second or third cast, he goes, I got one. And as I turned and looked back, I just seen a gigantic head wallowing back and forth coming at the boat. And uh, he stuck a beautiful 48-inch on, I would say, his second or third cast of the season. So, um, And that was early, at least seven, maybe even earlier than that. Um, so you just never know. Uh, time on the water is always going to put the advantage in your, in, you know, in, in your favor. But um, in general, I would say if you could only fish a few hours a day, I would, I would pick warmer hours. Um, and the weather pattern of the opening weekend can be a dictating factor. You got to look at what the weather's going to do on those days um, and kind of pay attention to that too. Well, you stole my question or you stole my next question. I was going to ask you, so <laughs> right, I know you're going to be in the boat with two anglers, at least to start the open, you know, the season open. I was yeah. going to ask you, well, which three baits you were rolling with and you, uh, you, you read my mind. So that's off the, that's off the table. Uh, let's talk location. I'm assuming you're going to start shallow. Let's say you fished from seven till noon. There's not much going on. Where's the next move after the shallow? What are you, you going to keep pounding shallows? I, I, moved, I moved to a different lake. <laughs> that, that's my next move. Um, especially here where I have so many different bodies of water. Um, if I'm not having action in about three or four hours, I'll usually make that call to, all right, let's try something else. And generally what I'm going to do first is, is choose a different lake. Um, if I was going to choose, you know, different locations on the same lake, because I was stuck on a body of water, uh, I would certainly start to look deeper, uh, deeper breaks. And of course the open water thing is something that, uh, is not usually utilized here. Um, it's honestly not something I do a ton of. I have a few lakes where I've had some success with it. Um, but it's something that, uh, is definitely worth thinking about, especially in those first couple weeks of season. Um, so there's definitely some guys having success doing that, but. For the most part, just from what I'm seeing, I'm going to spend uh, most of my day pretty shallow, um, less than 10 feet, meaning, and depending on the lake, uh, maybe even down to five feet. So um, all depends on the on the spot in the lake and uh, kind of what the terrain that's available. Well, that's certainly the 
beauty of northern Wisconsin. If you're not liking what you're seeing on one lake, just leave and go find another one. There's no shortage yeah. of musky lakes up in northern Wisconsin. And it's a great way to put yourself on action. And I can't tell you how many times, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, where we've had, you know, a lake that had been going good and all of a sudden not going good. And by simply jumping across the road or going 10 miles down the road or switching lake types um, has put us on some great action. And um, it's not always something you can predict and say, yeah, this is going to be good then or now. Um, a lot of times it's just a matter of uh, grinding out, putting your time in, and, and keep moving until you land on something good. I'd say when you say switch lake types for novice anglers, I'm meaning you're going to go from shallow stained to deep clear or vice versa, depending upon where you started, right? Yep, and there's even in between, you know, because we have some shallower clear lakes or, you know, more of a natural style lake versus a flowage style lake. Um, those are two different, you know, differences. And then obviously we have our deep clear lakes here, um, which can be very good for muskies, but also very challenging as well. But all those styles of lakes have their time and place and all can certainly be a factor on opening weekend. Um, the, the cool thing about the deep clear lakes that a lot of guys don't realize is that there's still a lot of fish shallow there too. Um, even if they are still spawning, um, it often puts a lot of the largest fish in the system in some of these shallow bays. Um, some of the same places where you're finding the crappie, the smallmouth, and all these other fish that are moving into spawn. So there is opportunity there. It's generally a little bit tougher as far as um, action, uh, but it can certainly be uh, a great way to put a big fish in the boat around our area here. All right, Steve. So before I get you out of here, one one just general, I guess it's not going to help anybody put more fish in the boat, but you've been on the water for you know the early part of the season. We'll say like 2020, 2021, fishing pressure was insane, basically to say, you know, to say the least. Have you seen yep. fishing pressure start to normalize based off of what you would see for the first couple weeks of the season? What's your thoughts on, on that for this year? I mean, for, um, you know, booking wise, I'm assuming it's pretty much business as usual. Yep. Uh, I would agree with that. Uh, business is great. Um, I've been doing it now since 23 years. I don't know where the heck 23 years went, but business is good. Lots of repeaters, uh, lots of people that have their times when they want to come. And of course you're always adding in new people and, and uh, that's great too. Um, so we're definitely, you know, um, busy in that regard. Fishing pressure, I would say, has normalized some here. Um, you still have your peaks and valleys when there's lots of people present. Um, but for the most part, um, I would say it's normalized uh, certainly past the 2020 year where it was insane. You couldn't hardly find a place to park a, a boat and trailer um, at the landings to, you know, definitely a, a lot nicer fishing. And I fish lots of different lakes, so I'm pretty good at finding places where there aren't as many people or times when there aren't as many people. Um, and that's another thing that I'm pretty good at is, you know, even if you're on a busy lake, you can choose the right times, uh, different times than most people are fishing and generally find success doing that too. So hopefully it'll be a great year. Uh, hopefully lots of people keep coming up to Hayward. Uh, I'm sure they will. Well, it's a great place. We have so many different bodies of water. Um, and as you know, you fished many of them with me, Jeff, but uh, I fished probably 20 different lakes throughout the course of a season. So always keeping it, you know, different. Uh, I like to provide variety for my clientele. Um, not doing the same stuff on the same lakes every year. And sometimes that even molds my day and where I'm going to go and how I'm going to approach is, um, how many times have I had these people out? What lakes have I had them to? What have I shown them? Uh, what other cool things that I know of that I can show them? So those sometimes also dictate how I approach my day each day. So. And if anybody wants to learn a little bit more about Steve, you can check out a bunch of our older videos on YouTube. I hope that we get some newer ones this year. I'm not going to make any promises. I, it is on my list of things to do. I hope For sure. Always welcome and love fishing with you. And uh, we always have a good time. Uh, life has been busy for you, so we understand why you haven't been able to fish as much. But, 
You need to get that right too, buddy. I do. I do. The problem is I always have the problem leaving it all behind for my wife to handle because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go fishing with Steve up north for a few days. And, hey, good luck. Good, good luck. Handle, the, handle, handle your day job. Handle the kids. Make sure they get the baseball. And then... By the way, can you pack, you know, a bunch of orders tonight when you get home in your spare time? Yeah. So, Yeah. Oh, we all understand. So, Steve, one last thing before we get out of here is if somebody's looking to come up to Hayward and visit you this weekend, or this weekend, this season, I'm guessing this weekend's <laughs> probably pretty booked. But Yeah, they're not going to get this weekend, but uh, I do have plenty of openings, a uh, handful of dates in June yet, uh, plenty of room in July and August, uh, September, October, starting to get pretty full, but uh, can generally find a hole for you. Uh, fishhunts.com is my website, Steve Jensen with a G G E N S L N on Facebook. And, uh, of course, seven, one, five, 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 eight, three, seven, oh nine is my cell phone. All great ways to get hold of me. All right, Steve. Well, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your schedule. Talk musky fishing with me and we will certainly be in touch soon enough. So thanks again. Yep. Appreciate it, Jeff. And, uh, we'll see you in the boat. Our second guest as we break down opener for northern wisconsin is dj chapita and dj was just on recently like episode 217 the reason i brought dj on is because i was kind of looking for somebody over in hayward somebody kind of in the eagle river area and somebody then in the monaqua area and i believe that we have you right for eagle river don't we dj do i remember that right it's uh, more monaqua area but we get out that way right. well then we're going to overlap a little on the monaqua areas but um, yeah I figured you were kind of, kind of up in that, you know, Vilas Oneida County stuff. So it's all yeah, exactly. Just... We go all the way up. I go all the way up to, uh, you know, the Cisco chain down to, you know, bottom end of Oneida County, Vilas, a little bit of iron, a little bit of Price County. So we're all over the place. Okay. And DJ is with Hinterland Muskie Guides. So if you're looking to, uh, you know, get out in the North Woods, you know, consider DJ and Hinterland Muskie Guides. And so DJ... Have you been out on the water recently at all since the, you know, we'll call it the game fish opener for Wisconsin to, uh, to do any fishing? Yeah. Yeah. I've been out a few times over the last couple of weeks and that, uh, doing some walleye and doing some scouting, just checking water and seeing what, uh, it was kind of an interesting opener. I mean, we weren't sure if we were going to have open water and got lucky. We had some literally went to two lakes to kind of scout and had 45 degree water on one. And I had, 38 degree water on the other with ice floating around everywhere so um water temp you know and everything here the last week has kind of settled out and warmed up we've had definitely some warm temperatures so that's a that's a good thing um a little bit of weather moving through now actually we just had a big front move through and it's going to be a cold day tomorrow water temps are definitely going to drop but uh, I think actually look for the weekend here. It's going to be in the 70s bouncing back with lows in the mid-40s. So water temp is it's going to be interesting. Um, definitely going to get out a few more times before opener just to uh, see what the water is doing. But as far as water temps, they're, they're going to be interesting on where you go. But, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about preseason prep. So when people hear this, they're only going to have a couple days to go, but maybe if they get up north early and they're looking to scout some stuff out, what are some things that that you do on the water before the opener to try to have, you know, a a more successful day on the water come Saturday? Exactly. Um, I mean, first thing I do is anybody can do it now with, you know, apps on their phone is I'd start watching the weather. What is doing? We're in the areas you're going to be fishing every day going forward. Just see, is it sunny, warm, cold? Is there a big prevailing wind that's going a certain direction for more days? 
that's something easy you can do even before you get up here or get on the water. It's going to help you out. Once you get on the water, first thing I'm going to do is, I mean, I'm going to get grass ready to go and then I'm going to start cruising around looking for water temps. You kind of want to get an idea of what the water is. Start looking around for warmer water. I mean, usually the old telltale is north and east is where your water, warmest water is going to be with the way the sun shines this time of year. You're trying to find, you know, see where that warmest water is, see what the water temp actually is on the water. You know, muskie kind of do that whole spawning thing, and, you know, rough estimates around the 55 degree temp. So you want to kind of know when you get on the water where your baseline is. Are you in the 55? Are you well past it or not? The biggest thing is first first thing I'm doing is checking water temps, seeing where the warmest water is, you know, because once you find that warmer water, you're probably going to find the most life on the lake. Uh, after that, you're definitely, you know, checking to see where life is. You know, there's this time of year, fish are moving in and fish are moving out, spawning. So you want to see where those fish are active and you're, you're going to be able to pick them up rather easy here on any kind of even 2d side scan down scan you're looking for that looking to see where the life is seeing where the fish are staging with the water temp because muskies are going to if they're pre-spawn they're going to be hanging off post-spawn they're going to be you know they're going to be back out there waiting for food so you kind of want to know where, where where is life at on that lake i would say is pre-spawn something that you deal with quite often, DJ? Everybody likes to say every year has been crazy the last five or six years. This year, I thought we were going to be really cold water. I was out on a bigger clear chain lake this last weekend. And surface temp, we haven't had a lot of wind going into last weekend. So surface temp was up in the mid-50s, so I didn't think we would. But with this cold front... I think some of these bigger lakes, it, it all depends on how this week shakes out, but I think you're going you're gonna to definitely see some spawning for sure. You might still run into some pre-spawn on your bigger lakes. I think the shallower ones, they're doing their thing by now. That water had a whole week to warm up, so I think they're, they're in the groove. I don't think they get pushed off too much, but the bigger lakes, you know, you get these bigger Cisco chain lakes for clear. It takes a long time for them to warm up. I mean, there was still ice day before opener on some of these lakes where you couldn't get on. So water temps take a little longer, so you could, but it's day to day. I mean, Brad, you kind of know how it is where you're at. It, it happens so fast, the whole from ice out to water warming up that it's a day to day thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, so let me ask you this. Okay. You're going to target opening weekend. And are you going to look at those bigger, clear bodies of water, or are you going to look for that dark stained water? I mean, if I didn't have a chance to go out before opener, like throughout the week and check lake temps, I'm going to dark, shallow, knowing that there's a really high probability that they're in a more of a post-spawn pattern. But you, there's that weird window of if you can get out there and that and you could find maybe a pre-spawn where you could find a bigger fish, you know, on one of these clear lakes. But it's really hard if you're not out on the water every day to know when the, where those lakes are. You don't want to hit that right on the head where you're like, okay, there's a lot of fish actually in the spawn where it, it takes your chances. You know, not all fish spawn at the same time, but you're, you're limiting your chances if they're in the middle of a spawn, you know, compared to pre or post. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's something to consider, and I think you kind of hit it on the head. If you haven't been up there and you haven't had the time to scout, potentially that could be a better bet. Exactly. I mean, and if you're if you're looking to you know come up for the weekend of the opener and you're getting on the water for the first time Saturday, everybody wants to get that first fish in the net. Your highest probability is where you want to go. It's also going to be probably your highest competition. Not saying there's going to be a ton of people on every lake, but you have higher probability of running into others on the shallower stand lakes because it's kind of the, the old tried and true this time of year. Absolutely. So maybe we should talk a little bit about your approach to what kind of structure you're going to be looking for. You know, rock, sand, weeds, what are you kind of looking at as far as that? I know that you're, you're going to be close to those uh, spawning grounds, but I'm just kind of curious if that structure plays a factor and then maybe space fish as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely depends on the body of water because, I mean, we've got, such, we've got so many lakes up here that everything kind of changes. You definitely have very good weed growth lakes. We have some more rock lakes, and we definitely have some that have timber mix, and some that have all. I'm looking for, first thing I'm trying to do is you, you, you want to know where you think those warm water is, where you think those spawning bays are. You're looking for warm water, you know, where those fish are going to go spawn. And then what I'm looking for is places where they came from to go spawn. So if there's like a spawning bay with a main lake point next to deep water, that's what I'm definitely, okay, that's a highlight point. That's where I want to go do some investigating in that. And if I can find, you know, a pile of rocks or some new fresh green weeds growing off of that point somewhere, that's definitely a high probability. I mean, you're definitely, this time of year, post-spawn, those fish will to slide into any kind of new, fresh, green weeds, red cabbage. We're a little behind, I would say, as far as weed growth right now, just because I think we had so much snow on top of the ice this year. We didn't get a lot of light penetration. So I think those weeds, as of now, are a little slacking. So I definitely, at that point, if I'm on a lake and I see some timber, you know, trees off of you know shoral but they're down into that eight nine feet treetops and stuff that are down in there that's definitely something i'm going to look at as well just because those fish want to slide off spawn they want to recover but they also want to be in my mind is they want to be in a transition spot where there's fish coming in fish coming out you know crappies are getting ready to spawn after them bluegills and that those fish are going to stage and they're going to stage in that cover as well so if the weeds aren't there you know, I like to look for down timber and that plus that timber holds heat, you get sunny days and that wood's gonna heat up a lot quicker than, you know, say rock. Well, I just got back from being down south and I will say laydowns can be a, a definite uh place to catch muskies, that's for sure. So everybody'll see that later, uh first quarter, I guess, January, they will start seeing some laydown fishing down south. And it's funny because like that's kind of where I cut my teeth guiding in that is down south north carolina in virginia area and that there's not a lot of weeds down there and that's where i really i think i grew confidence in fishing more laydowns and stuff you know a lot of guys think that's more bass traffic and that up here but that stuff heats up a lot quicker than other things on the lake and when those fish are looking to recover they're trying to find that comfort zone and those other fish that are coming in spawning and post-spawning are also looking for cover so it's a it's a it's a great ambush point that can you know be overlooked Absolutely. I, I, I think you're right on track with that. And I think uh, most of the people in the Northland kind of forget about that down timber, you know? 
but they definitely are going to hold panfish and you know the predator is going to be there as well yeah exactly it's tough there's a there's i mean getting you get spoiled in this part of the world with uh with weeds and you know good cabbage and red cabbage tobacco i mean down south man if you could find a weed i don't care what it was you were excited to see it i mean you i'm sure when you were down you know south fishing bread the weeds just aren't like they are up you know wisconsin and stuff like that it's a, it's a completely different animal yeah that that's a matter of fact right there that's for sure jeff probably got some experience down on cave don't you jeff yeah i was down there it's pretty cool Definitely a, dif- a different fishery, you know, but I like it. I mean, I, I, one thing I liked is that back when the PMTT used to be there, they were there early, so you you, you kind of got that early jump on the season, whereas now they're just there like one week before the southern season opens, so you don't quite get that same, you know, that same early season feel, I guess. Right. But it's weird because, you know, there was a time frame down there where, well, it, it happens every once in a while where there is, some sort of a, a decent weed bed, but I, I've heard that it's been kind of vacant the last couple of years, so I'm not sure what's going on. I have heard that as well. How about docks? Is that something that you're going to fish, TJ? Well, that's a funny one because right now with the late ice out, there's not a lot of docks in yet. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's definitely something. I mean, I've seen it. I've fished those in summer. I mean, they use those as natural shade spots. And I mean, Brad, I'm sure you know anybody who, you know, there's, I don't know how many cabin owners don't dump something off the end of their dock as a fish attractant for panfish and stuff. So they definitely hang there. Early season, though, there's just, there's not a lot. I mean, not a lot out here. I mean, I went out for opening weekend here, and half the places I went didn't even have the boat landings in yet. So we're definitely behind on that. If they're in there, they they might hold, but they might have been put in there yesterday or the day before. So <laughs> in later in summer and that, it's definitely, I, I, I look at them. Once again, you use that southern aspect of anything is cover is cover. You know, up here, it's a little different, but. Well, why don't we switch gears and let's talk baits and let's talk two different uh, styles of baits. Let's talk pre-spawn muskies versus post-spawn muskies. And we'll start with pre-spawn. What are you going to do for bait choices? Pre-spawn, I mean, I'm probably at this point, I mean, I'm going to be on a big, clear body of water. I'm going to be throwing something more of a pull pause, you know, probably not big rubber, um, probably regular bulldogs, maybe a regular Medusa, suspending dive and rise. Um, There's a few companies that make them. I mean, you can choose your choice there. Even like some heavier weighted glide baits. You're trying to get down there, but you're trying to hold it in their face long enough because they are, I mean, they're, they're fat and they got one thing on their mind. So they're not exactly, you know, super aggressive in my mind. I mean, you can always catch them pre-spawn, but we're like, when we get into pre-spawn here is like, we're probably a couple days to a week usually from them going up and doing their, their deed. So it's not like they've got the heavy feed bag on at that point, but they're still opportunistic in my mind. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, one of the things that you said there is a heavy-weighted glider. And, you know, Jeff with Team Rhino, they, you know, he offers the Phantom. And you see a lot of times guys are catching really good on Phantoms early in the season. 
especially the Southern opener, it seems like a lot of guys are catching on phantoms. But one bait that Jeff just brought into the store, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, is the new Rig Boss sliders. And that bait is one of Chase's favorites. And I think primarily because it is a very, very heavy glider that, that's not typical of your glide baits, right? And it will get down a little bit deeper, and it kind of hangs in that water column where you want to put it in front of their face. Yeah, I mean, I know I use, I've got some of them from uh, back in my guided days down south in rivers and that because you need a big, heavy glide bait to fight the current. It just, it works well up here in a different application, but like exactly like you said, you want that to be there. You want it to, you don't want it to sink, but you don't want it to be, you know, buoyant. You want that thing to get down there and hang. And just, you can still slow pause it, but it doesn't, you know, it's not ripping up or ripping down. And those heavy, I mean, I haven't heard of that rig boss or whatever, but I mean, I've got some of them. I think the big popular ones, like a hot tail. I use the big, the bigger hot tail gliders, the original ones. I mean, kind of, they were made for rivers. I think he's from Pennsylvania and that, and they were great. Just, it's a good profile. They got a wobble and they just hang in the right zone that you need them to. I got a funny story. So whenever I used to pick out all my different glide baits, the first thing I would do is find out if I could carry about four or five of a certain color. And I would literally take the lid off the back of the toilet and drop all the baits in there and watch to see which one sunk because that was the heavy one. And that's how I picked out which sliders I really wanted. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's, that's interesting there. I like the toilet yeah. idea, but that's... You know, maybe not for everyone. <laughs> you know, got to get from from the store, but it's important that you you find the right one. Great. Now I'm gonna have people leaving notes on their uh, on their orders <laughs> saying like, "Could you please set these in the toilet to make sure they sink before you send them to me?" <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Appreciate uh, that. Yeah. yeah. No problem. Uh, you know, the other, if, you're, bait, yeah. <laughs> if you're looking for. You know, a heavy bait, you know, he was talking about dive and rise baits. If you want a heavier dive and rise bait, that Exorcist from Phantom, Brad, that thing doesn't get nearly the credit it deserves either. And that's, you know, they're not really easy to find all the time, but we do have them well, pretty often, I would say. But that one, too, and it's got the screw and weight system on it, so you could get that neutral buoyancy. If those fish just want something hanging in their face, it's definitely an option to go as well. Yeah, it definitely is. And I... That particular bait, I know it's really funny because there's, there's like this small undertow of people that absolutely love that bait, right? And one of the places that I've seen it be really successful is in the open water, especially the first month of the season. Uh, for whatever reason, that bait hangs like you're saying, and it makes fish go crazy. Yeah, there's a uh, small group of guys right now that are yelling at us for even talking about it, Brad. But yes, it's, nah. it, it's got this like weird cult-like following. You either love it or you don't even know about it. Exactly. I mean, I can, I can tell you right now, I actually bought a couple from you guys at Team Rhino, the new uh, weighted uh, adjustable weight system, SUIC, as well. And that's definitely one that I'm going to, uh, if I if I can get out to the water and think that I'm in a pre-spawn, I definitely want to try it this, this early season because I think it, it could be deadly where you can actually adjust that weight and just get that thing to sit. And it's something that, you know, instead of bell sinkers and that where you're trying to get them to sit right, I think it could be deadly. So DJ, you, you, you've talked about rubber. We talked about gliders. Are you throwing any kind of blades or maybe even twitch baits or something like that as well during that pre-spawn stuff? 
in the pre-spawn stuff, I might use the, you know, twitch bait blades. I, I guess I shouldn't say I had just haven't given them a chance. You know, I'm kind of feeling like that fish is, you know, and it might just be in my head, but it seems like it's so tried and true. It's like that fish isn't like, you know, ready to just go after something. And you really need that thing to just kind of sit, you know, and, but yeah, like bigger slammers and stuff like that. I like to use, you know, I hang weights on the front of the, the slammers just to get them down a little bit. Or if you get one of the bigger diving bills ones and, you know, you cast out, crank it down, get it into that zone, stuff like that. But yeah, I, I should probably get blades. I know I've got some of the, the grenades and the mini grenades, which definitely are kind of more what I could probably use those in that suspended zone. I just, I haven't even had a chance to try it. So I've got some, so that might be a good idea to try this, this spring as well. If I get in that pre-spawn. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's shift gears into the post-spawn then. Let's talk about baits in the post-spawn. All right. Post-spawn. I mean, if we're talking fresh off of post-spawn, you know, you're seeing marked up fish and stuff like that. I definitely change gears quite a bit. Um, I got a handful of baits that are usually the go-tos. Um, that new, I'll probably get it wrong. It's like either a four inch or a five inch, the square bill slammer that came out with a couple of years. Up here is just a great bait. It's just erratic action. You know, you're fishing shallower. It hangs in the right, right area. Um, also the six inch minnow bait from slammer. I like those light baits because you're, you're in shallow water. You don't want that thing sinking or, you know, you want it to just kind of be able to hang in that zone as fast, you know, right in that zone. You don't want to be having it sink or having it, you know, you have to reel 10 reels down to get it down to where you need it. Then, you know, kind of some more of the basics, Brad, the, the rabbit squirrel, the MEPS number five. I mean, the MEPS number five is probably, you know, it's something my grandfather probably threw, you know, for muskie, but still is an amazing bait. I like the, the Muskie Innovations Swimming Dog, the shallow, regular size one. It's a great bait. It's got great wobble. You can keep the rod tip up, and you can work it through those shallow, shallower areas. And then, it, you know, if they're hanging, you can let that thing slowly kind of sink or rip and pause it. And then you, you touched on it earlier with the, uh, the Phantoms. Phantoms still here. The 6-inch Phantom, I mean, it's a deadly bait that, you know, everybody's got in their box, but you still catch a ton of fish and I definitely have one of those ready to go at all times. DJ, can you explain to us a little bit about what rod choices you're going to use with some of those baits that you just discussed? All right. So let's start with uh, the pre-spawn ones because it's definitely different. I run everything St. Croix in my boat. Uh, I actually just got a couple of new of the grass system telescoping models that they have. So pre-spawn i'm definitely i've got the blade master 2 which is a great rod to throw a lot of those you know regular bulldogs you know bigger crankbaits and stuff they believe it's like three to eight ounces in that so great all-around rod for all that stuff um my reels i run everything diowa i'll be running a 400 probably seven to one ratio Line, everything I run line, I'm one of those weird guys that I don't think anybody ever talks about it. I run Daiwa J-Braid on everything. I haven't had a problem with it for years. I'm stuck with what isn't broke, don't fix. Post-spawn, I kind of go a completely different option. I run a St. Croix Legend Tournament, medium heavy, three-quarter to three-ounce for pretty much everything 
other than the phantoms i run a little bit stiffer stick just to you know get your your glide right and i actually run 65 pound um j braid on that and a diawa 300 all of them are alexa hds that i run in my boat awesome yeah that's that's good info have you used the grass previously or no uh, this will be the first full season with it. I got to play with it and dabble with it a little bit, but this will be my first season. It's it, when you when you look at it, it's it's kind of one of those things. But man, when you put it in your hand and you have a reel on it, I I can't imagine this thing being anything but gangbusters. Uh, I'm really excited to use it. I think after a full season, and you know maybe it won't get tendonitis in another five years. That it, it could be a great <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good, DJ. Uh, I've been doing it a little while here, and I know what you're talking about. Thumbs hurt, weird elbow pains, and all kinds of stuff. But I will honestly say I used the graph all last season, and it's truly, truly remarkable. The crazy thing about it is, is when I first got it, I, I did not want anything to do with it. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I'm old school, man. I, I want the old trigger, right? But exactly. using it. And I fell in love with it instantly. I mean, I bet it was 10 casts and I'm like, this thing's pretty sweet. And it's amazing. Like clients, friends, family, whatever, when they got in the boat, they're like, nah, I don't, I don't want to use that. And you make them use it. And within 10, 20 minutes, they're like, I'm getting one of these. I mean, that's, that's the game changer there. So I know you're going to yeah. like it more, more as you use it. Yeah. And I mean, I've been with St. Croix now for almost, almost 10 years and, they don't put a product out there that hasn't been extensively tested. So I had no doubt when I ordered the ones that I got this year that it's going to be that. I mean, I, I got to probably hold them more during the shows this year than I got to fish with them. And I had the same thing. Everybody's like, Oh, I don't want that. But once you put it in your hands and Jeff, actually in your booth, you had a reel on one of yours and people grabbed it and they're instantly like, Oh man, this is, this is something I could actually get used to. It'll take a little bit of a, you know, getting used to for people just looking wise, but anything that can keep you on the water and fishing more effectively is just, it's an A plus in my book. That's a fact. That's for sure. That's really cool. Well, DJ, before we let you out of here, if somebody's looking to book a trip with you this summer, how do they go about doing that? Oh uh, yeah. We're on uh, all social media platforms at Hinterland Muskies. You can call me on my cell phone at 704 658 Five two three zero, and also uh, we have a website at hinterlandmuskies.com and you can actually there's a click on there you can email us and that comes to uh, us direct still got some dates available for this summer so yeah if you want to get out here in the northwoods and enjoy it and get you on some fish give us a holler sounds good well we want to uh wish you the best for this upcoming season wish you best for the opener and i would imagine we will catch up with you at some point maybe this summer yet all right, sounds good. You guys uh, have a good opener if you're getting out there. I know, uh, Brad, you got a couple weeks yet, but you've got more fishing hours under the, under the belt than I do, so I'm not feeling too bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got my I got my taste already this season by going south. Yeah, I got I got to get on that. I got family down there, so I got to start making my trips accordingly. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I don't know why you work. might as well uh, plan some of them vacations. Especially with our late, late spring. Yeah, I was going to say, if they get any later, I'm just going to call it a vacation, you know, and, you know, early, late April, early May, so. <laughs> right. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, crazy. Well, DJ, I want to thank you for uh, for your time, and we'll catch up with you later. All right, you guys take care. Yep, have a good day. All right, last but not least, talking about Northern Wisconsin opener is Jeff Vandermortel and WDH Guide Service. All right, Jeff, you know, so before we get into some musky talk, let's talk a little bit about the Muskie Academy. You know, you have this thing going last year, and this is going into the second year. And I'd like to know kind of what's new for 2023, you know, to try to get people that, you know, signed up. I mean, obviously, you know how this deal goes. If somebody signed up last year, they're like, oh, what's in it for me this year? So if they haven't yeah, really signed up already, what's new for 2023 with Muskie Academy? Yeah, so Muskie Academy, what it basically is, you know, there's a, there's a couple facets to it, right? It's the, uh, the, the long and the short of it is think about it like a Muskie consulting service, you know, like having a guide in your pocket. There's uh, over 200 some videos. We just added 33 more videos here in the last, uh, they went live uh, right before the, the Friday before the Southern opener. So first weekend of May there, we added 33 new videos to the 200 plus videos that were already there. Uh, and that stuff breaks down how, when, where it defined muskies, everything from, you know, your, your traditional uh, approaches to, you know, talking about sucker spawns and, and, um, and mayfly hatch, Cisco spawn, all this stuff that happens throughout the course of the year, targeting tigers. You name it, it's in there. It is the most diverse and comprehensive tool for helping you catch more muskies. And we have, it's an annual subscription. It's uh, $300, uh, $300 for the subscription, 365 days from the date that you sign up. You have access to all of the video library 24-7 uh, on the app. And then you also have access to the Facebook group, uh, which is a members-only Facebook group. I'd add you as a friend on Facebook, add you into the group. And then you are privy to the weekly reports, which are super in-depth. Basically, I go through and talk about everything that's been working in my boat and give a full report uh, on what people can expect. I usually post those Friday night when I get off the water. Um, so that's what's all included there. And of course, you have access to ask me any questions on you know anything musky or boat or electronics or anything related. So uh, yeah, we've had a lot of people re-enroll. We're coming through our first year. Um, our, our retention rate was really good. We had a lot of people sign back up. You know, it's it's a really great uh, it's a really great tool, and to see these guys, you know, winning tournaments, placing in tournaments, catching personal bests, sticking some really big fish. We've got everybody in there from uh, you know your guys looking to catch their first couple muskies to guys that are legit guides and winning tournaments and, and doing a really good job in the muskie world. Really looking to sharpen those skills. It's a really great product, and uh, you will learn something uh, out of that program. All right, and quickly. How do people go about finding Muskie Academy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, MuskieAcademy.com. Muskie with Y, Academy.com. You can sign up right there. Quick and easy. You're on, You're in in 30 seconds or less. All right. And so you, much like my previous guest, Steve Jensen, have been on the water quite a bit. I know you do a lot of guiding early season for walleyes. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on in the lake right now. Water temperature-wise, like how these... Are they a lot farther behind than what they typically would be? You know, what should people be looking for as far as water temperature, weed growth for the opener? So we're sitting here today. It's what, May 18th. The ice went off of the majority of lakes here uh, two weeks ago, you know, 14 to 16 days ago, or when our first lakes started opening up, up in northern Wisconsin. Uh, there were still a few snow piles um, in, in, you know, in, the, in the bigger plowed and under boat launch, uh, you know, really sheltered, really protected areas, obviously. But there was still snow on the ground less than 48 hours ago go up here. Uh, despite uh, a week and a half of mostly 65 to 70 degree plus weather. Um, so northern zone and southern zone, uh, definitely not the, the same thing. You know, we've uh, we've gone at basically light speed. I've been on the water every day except for maybe one since opener. And I, I don't even know if there was one where I wasn't. I think I've been on the water every day 
since opener, uh, running you know, a lot of doubles and, and been out pretty much all daylight hours for all of it. And to watch things move at this progression has been, yeah, I, I can't say it's like we've never seen it before, but it is pretty extreme. Uh, we didn't get any of the cool downs that we normally get in that kind of highs and lows when we get these really big high, higher peaks and lower valleys that kind of you know level things off. It's basically kind of been higher highs and higher lows. And it's really got us up to speed. Today we had water temps in the in the above the 58 degree range. I would say is kind of a pretty good rule of thumb across the board right now. Um, back bays and stuff certainly low 60s on any of your smaller stain stuff flowages. Uh, we've got a big rain going on right now, and it's cooling things down. And, and uh, but the but the trend this week and in this weekend and into the opener is going to be uh, some really nice warm stable weather. Uh, I talked to the biologist on Trout Lake uh, yesterday. They've been running nets on Trout Lake for the musky spawn already for a week. Uh, and he said that he thought they were getting pretty close to not, they're pretty close to being done running nets out there. There still will certainly be some fish spawning. We've been seeing paired up muskies everywhere the last couple of days. Um, and, uh, I've seen several fish, you know, in feeding positions on electronics here in systems where they, I don't know if they're pre-spawn fish or, or just fish that maybe, uh, you know, getting the, the last, uh, feeding binge before heading into spawn, uh, position kind of outside those panfish spawning areas, certainly. Um, but things are well underway, and by the opener here, I think people will be pleasantly surprised to see a good number of the fish through the spawn. And on the fish systems that are the most advanced, you're certainly going to see some fish that are going to be um, back in feeding mode, uh, provided the forecast holds from what I've seen. So does that mean you're going to start the season off? You know, I mean, we've been down this road. Does that mean you're going to be much like everybody else? You're going to be starting the you know shallow, weedy areas first? Or might you be trying you know something else? Might you be trying to find bigger fish in deeper water? You know, it, it really depends on what we end up getting for weather conditions, certainly. Um, I would say, you know, for opening weekend, I, you try not to get too cute with it. It's a good time to get out, make sure everything's working, knock all the dust off, get out and stretch the legs. We do a little get-together of me and myself and a couple of buddies. We do a little musky camp kind of deal for, you know, two or three days, depending on what everybody's schedules allow. And we just go out, we just have some fun and try to rack up some fish and, you know, and, and, uh, and have a good time. And uh, if the conditions allow, we certainly uh, will target some bigger fish. But we usually stumble into a couple of, you know, at least a, a mid-40s per, per opening weekend, sometimes a couple of them, depending on the year. Um, but this year, the one thing that people are going to find on the lakes is that your weed growth is going to be way behind. It could catch up significantly between now and the opener. You know, we only got a couple of days here, but, uh, you know, a week of sunny weather, it might as well be a month, really, in terms of weed growth. Sometimes this stuff can grow about a foot a day. And, and it can go really fast. But thus far in northern Wisconsin, from what I've seen, there is some good remnant weeds from last year in a few lakes. But by and large, the weed growth is way behind. And anytime you get the ice coming off in such a late fashion, even though the water temps warm quickly and the fish start blowing through the spawn at basically breakneck speed, you know, we're already to the point there's bass on beds right now. We've got crappies uh, starting to spawn, uh, and certainly in some of the shallower lakes. And I was on a pretty decent-sized lake today, and there were bass already making beds. Uh, and again, we went from ice on the lakes to bass on the beds in 14 days. That lake was about a 1,200 acre lake. So, in, with a next depth of you know 50 feet, so that's not a small little puddle by any means. And I saw active fish actively making beds. We fished bass for about an hour today, and we caught a couple, and then we just moved on to uh, some some panfish to finish out. But anyway, that being said, um, like I said, the fish the fish progression, the, the we're going to be moving into that 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 spawn into the spawn or into the post-spawn period for the muskies but do expect the weed growth uh, to be significantly behind uh, and that can be a big con contributing factor as to where a lot of those fish are hiding you'll see a lot more of those bigger fish certainly hanging you know further out if uh if some of that structure is not developed and holding as many fish 
Um, but conversely, if you've got a lake with some good remaining weeds, if you've got some sort of remnant structure there and it's loaded with, you know, spawning fish or fish poison spawn for, you know, bluegills, crappies, that stuff of that nature, um, you can you can certainly expect to find some of those bigger fish um, holding there. So we'll see what we get for weather, but the long and the short of it, um, we're going to go out, we'll target the males, we'll, we'll do the things I'm sure everybody else is talking about uh, to start off and get our finger on the pulse and see what we're seeing on the electronics, see what we're seeing in reactions from fish for the day, and we'll go from there. If I think this, the conditions are good, and that we will have, um, you know, adequate adequate chances at a big bite or a better bite for some higher quality fish. We'll certainly move to take advantage of that. So, Jeff, if I I'm get not- bored on musky opener and I want to go bass fishing, what's the what's the hot ticket there? What should I be looking for? Uh, you'll find you'll probably find fish uh, heavily betting on the deepest, clearest lakes in the area. Uh, we did have again, kind of interesting anecdote. You know, that we talk about you know the biologists on trout lakes saying that they're you know doing some. Uh, Looking fish and taking eggs from muskies already. Well, we had a week of calm, sunny weather. It went from ice on the lake, and then the temperature was saying, I was reading, you know, 48 to 50, but we had barely had a breath of wind for five days. The wind started to blow, the water started to mix, the water temperatures dropped to 39.8 to 41. This was four days ago, five days ago. Uh, now that is main lake mixed temperature. So again, it just kind of goes to show that viability. But yet these muskies were, you know, being caught in the nets in the bays and stuff where they had them set, and they're able to take eggs from these fish. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of an interesting anecdote on that. And I'll be honest, I actually forgot what you just asked me. <laughs> I want to know where I'm supposed to go bass day, fishing. It's been a long day, man. I've been on the water a lot. But, I, want, uh, I want to know where oh, I'm supposed yeah, to go Oh, yeah. You, you want to know about bass fishing. That's yeah. right. That's what brought me back to the to uh, some of the deeper clear lakes. Yeah, you're going to find bedding fish uh, still on some of those lakes. Like I said, they're just starting to go on like the medium, larger size lakes today. I would say that this is any small little potholes and stuff to fish around beds right now. Uh, but come opening weekend, if you want to fish bass, there will be bedding fish. And it will be transitioning into that post-spawn bite on the, on the medium and large size lakes as well. For smallies, the largemouth will probably be done. And do I got to look for, you know, does that mean I got to go look for weeds or am I going to fish smallies on rocks? Uh, we, you know, your wind-washed rock shorelines. Uh, interestingly enough, that is a place I don't think a lot of people target. Um, but I do see a good number of muskies today when we were fishing bass for that, for that short amount of time. Uh, we went through, we've had a, a killer, you know, the, the pre-spawn crankbait bite in the smallways. I mean, if, if you're following along on social media and stuff, if you have people that are fishing up here, I mean, it's been absolutely on fire these last couple of days, just crushing fish. And it, but it's gone really fast. It's gone really quickly from that really good pre-spawn crankbait bite that everybody really, really loves. If you're, you know, if you're, even if you're not a bass guy, like that's one of the most fun bites you can, you can really get on top of to fish moving onto beds, spreading out and, and getting you know, into that mode uh, in a really quick time. But anyway, when we were up there, we did see multiple muskies today and uh, in the past uh, and in the past several days here, you know, cruising. Those are areas to certainly target. Um, if you've got, um, typically they're going to be the, the shorelines that warm the fastest, you know, your north and, and east shores are a great place to start. So I think it's that evening sun that keeps it warm, um, you know, through the latter part of the day where those fish can get up and do their thing. Are certainly best, but you know the rock shorelines and stuff. Don't overlook that, especially if it's something that's really wrought with uh, a lot of um, a lot of down wood and stuff of that nature. You know, a lot of people associate you know weeds and and for good reason, weeds, bulrushes, your typical spawning structure for muskies. But especially in lakes that don't have a ton of that stuff, and even more so in years like this where the weed growth is going to be really behind. Don't overlook those areas on opening day, especially if you got a good stiff wind and warm weather um, banging on those spots. Brad, I got nothing out of that. I asked a bass question, and you're not going to say anything. <laughs> I, I thought about that. I I actually tried to talk earlier, but I think you had me turned down. So, 
No, um, I, I heard you. I just talked right over you. Oh. I'm like, no, I'm getting, I'm getting my bass question out. I want to know about these bass. Cool are bass. we gonna see? Uh, are we going to see a Team Rhino Outdoors bass collection here coming in the future? Or what's what's going on with these questions, Jeff? <laughs> just mixing it up, you know. I figured Jeff's the third guest here. I've already I've already talked about shallow muskies and weeds and stuff, so I want to learn a little bit about bass. I'm trying to help carry out here. <laughs> That's interesting. So I do have a question though, JBR. I got a question for you. Like, how much do you think you benefit from being a multi-species fisherman, being that you're on the water every day, previous to the musky season? What could people benefit if they went and did that? You know, Brad, I think it's tremendous. I mean, the, the amount of time that you spend in the water is directly proportional to your success rate in most cases. And, uh, and when you're out there learning what every other species in the lake does, you know, for the, the entire season and even, even through ice fishing season, you know, seeing contacting even, you know, muskies or other fish or stuff like that. And any of the times when you may not be targeting them, I think it's always a benefit. Um, it's one of the things that I really heavily worked into the Muskie Academy program. There was just you know, that, that focus on what else is going on in the lake. Cause it's not just about the muskies, right? It's, it's knowing where the system is at. That's the really key. You know, and today I'll give you a good example of, you know, we got out on the one lake where these fish were sliding off of that, off of that crankbait bite there. It just really wasn't going, you know, if we had been there two days earlier, we would have demolished them, but we were on a much bigger, deeper lake that was further behind and we crushed them the day before. We wanted to go back for, to this other lake, mostly for nostalgia purposes. I had my dad and a family friend with today, and it was a lake that we had fished a lot in the past, which is one of the reasons we wanted to go there. But anyway, the, the short version on that is we got out there. I didn't really like the call. It was my call, but I was like, I don't. We'll go there for the sake of going there. We know it's what's there. We know it'll be okay. We'll do a fine. But I didn't like it because I didn't feel like it was the right water where I wanted to be on. And we went there and we got our butts kicked a little bit because we you know we hit some really prime spots and that we had wind blowing in. Everything was perfect. The water temp, but the water temp was a little high. I know like 58 rather than more that like 52 to 54, which is much better time frame for that pre-spawn crankbait bite. And I just didn't feel right about it to begin with. We saw spawning mollusks right at the launch, and I'm like, oh no. I think we're too late. And we got out there, we fished, we were too late. We caught a couple of dinks. And it was just one of those things where you just know that what is going on in that system is not your level. If you're really dialed in on a certain bite and you can't get it done, you're better off to just pull the plug and go the other way, right? Go to the lakes that can be a little bit smaller where the bass are in full spawn. I'm using bass as an example here. You could interchange muskies with this for sure. And uh, you you go to the, the lake that's a little smaller and farther ahead where the water temp might be 60 and it has been for a couple of days. And those fish are full-blown bedding everywhere versus or go to back to like those deeper, clearer lakes where that, that crankbait bite was continuing to get better because it hadn't, you know, hadn't fully matured yet in that, in that warming trend like the other lakes had. You know, knowing stuff like that and putting that together, whether it be for crappies in pre-spawn mode versus on the beds or bass or walleyes in pre-spawn or spawn mode versus, you know, the post-spawn feeding window over emerging weeds, knowing how to put all those patterns together and then applying that in the musky world is invaluable. I mean, you, you get a lot of practice through a lot of different species and, and sooner or later, it's all about, sooner or later, the bulb, it, it kind of clicks and you realize that it really is all, you know, all parts of the same machine, right? There's all things going on and when we see this, this, and this going on in the system, it's, it's indicative of, of other things and you can kind of get your finger on that pulse so much more quickly and know what's happening in that system so much more effectively, especially if it's something you spend a lot of time on in, in an individual lake or system in particular versus somebody who's just showing up for the first time to launch their boat on opening day of musky season. I mean, it, it's, it's tremendous. So last question for me would be, I'm just going to ask you dark water or clear water this, for this opener. Meaning that, you know, we've had a late spring, obviously, you know, that's yes. really well. 
I'm just kind of curious if you were to pick one, I'm curious where you'd go with it. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I would say it's going to be more towards some of the stained water, not necessarily like a super heavy stain, but stuff with, uh, advanced weed growth. The most advanced weed growth lakes are going to be some of the stuff with that lighter tea color stain, um, that, that only get the weeds in that three, five, maybe seven foot of water, even at peak summer, at summer peak. Um, the, you know, the shallower cabs and stuff, that stuff's going to emerge faster because it warmed more quickly. Um, those lakes are just going to be further ahead. The one switch over, I would say to that with these fast warming trends that we've had for people in our area anyway, keep an eye out for the lakes that are already starting to bloom. Our, our lakes, I call them the green lakes. And the way that I break down lakes, I call them like green lakes. They're the lakes that might be like, a, they're clear for, you know, they're clear if you go punch a hole out there in the ice fishing or you're clear out there during the walleye spawn or even usually this time of year. But come, you know, June, July, they turn green. And we're with these expense, uh, with these uh, extensive uh, increases in water temperature, we're already seeing some of those lakes green. And a few of those lakes are going to have some better weed growth. Now, I was on a couple of those lakes already this year trying to take advantage of that post-spawn walleye bite. You know, one lake, the weeds were actually pretty decent. And the other lake, which is a very comparable couple hundred acres, you know, they had the green bloom going. It looked awesome. They kind of, you launch and it looks right. It looks like it's early June out there. It looks like it's right. And we got there and the weed growth was, there was like nothing there. You know, there was maybe, maybe a foot tall, if that. And then the other lake, there was a very comparable lake. The weeds were already, you know, I'd say probably, you know, double or triple that, you know, two, two and a half feet tall and, and starting to look pretty good, which, you know, for now it might be a touch early for what we're looking for, but by opening weekend, especially with another week of 65, 75 degree weather here, you know, that stuff's going to be ready to roll. So I guess the, the short answer to a, a long chatty version there is go where there's the most advanced weed growth. Don't necessarily rule out the clearer lakes, um, especially if they're already starting to get that algal bloom. It can be indicative that that weed growth is already advanced and the fish are further along. Yeah, it always blows my mind how fast weeds will, will shoot up. You know, you'll Dude, see them two, three days. It's a huge difference. It, yeah, absolutely. And it looks like we're going to get that nice sun. We, so we got a good rain going here right now. It's Friday or Thursday and Friday here. It's going to be cloudy and rainy, but it's not supposed to get super cold. And then we've got bright, sunny skies coming for this Saturday, Sunday, and, and well into next week, which, man, those bright, clear, sunny skies, especially with a good warming trend and, and adequate water temperatures to, to match our explosive for weed growth that rain will help that weed growth you know it's getting some moisture so that's good it's getting some moisture got to water the crops yep i agree (laughs) (laughs) perfect um i one of the one of the things i would throw in too on the on the targeting of fish you know sometimes these opening weekend bites and i know you guys do you guys fish a lot of the bull rush stuff over by you for your opener brad or is it a lot of the open water stuff uh most of my stuff like in my neck of the woods the bull rush stuff really doesn't take place till about september and okay so you don't have any like residual that's not a thing by you yeah it's kind of uh more the the early cabbage beds and if you start looking at different uh, creek systems that are coming into most of our lakes you're going to find that just rolling in off the farm field there's a bunch of fertilizer that comes into the lake and wherever those creeks are, are going to have some of the earliest weed growth. Yeah. So then you get that nutrient load coming in, you get to and get some nice weed growth. That makes sense for sure. Uh, the reason I bring it up is because in these years where we get this later weed growth, you know, by us, we got a lot of lakes over here too, that have those bulrush beds and stuff, but that's been one for that. I've, you know, that's been one of those things where, and it's certainly not something I invented. That's it's pretty common knowledge, I guess, but targeting those bulrush beds and stuff, because the musky spawning activity can be pretty heavy around those in the years like this, where we get the later, 
the 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 slow delay the the delayed weed growth you can really get through those easily because a lot of the remnant bulrushes are are dead and easier you can get a bait in there and you know if you get stuck you can pull it out whereas if you get in when it's all green and fresh coming up there it can be really tough to get baits through there because you really got to pull i mean you'll get through it obviously with musky gear if you're trying to downsize in particular and get through that stuff it really it really kind of hampers the program so those are some areas that you could focus a little extra on this year uh, if you're in the northern Wisconsin area, anything with those good expansive bulrush beds, you are going to have muskies in there. And in these years with these later springs where the weed growth isn't quite up yet, because those bulrushes won't be above the water yet. In most cases, that I don't expect them to be. Um, you can get baits through there a lot more easily. And those muskies are in there and more accessible than they would be in years where it's more advanced. And it's, it's just harder to get at them. They're still there, but it's just harder to get at them when the weed growth is ahead. And here, like I said, the water temperature is kind of horse and uh, the buggy in front of the horse here so you're going to have fish above and beyond that and the weed growth is still catching up so something to consider you know jeff one thing i gotta ask you about is so let's just say shallow water is your that's your focus right start the season off and you're not getting the results that you're looking for what's your next move i asked the same question to steve jensen and he's basically just like i'm out of here i'm going to a different lake i'm gonna try the same thing on a different lake is that kind of the same approach that you would offer up for northern wisconsin yeah, it is. And, and in my case, I have, I, I mean, and probably Steve's case too, because I know he's out a lot too. So we'll have the advantage of having been out there, you know, in the days leading up, the days, weeks, you know, leading up to it and knowing kind of what, you know, okay, the crappies were doing this out here on this lake a week ago, and they were doing this out here two days ago. You know, you kind of got a finger again on the pulse of how advanced those systems are into their seasonal rotation. Uh, so those are the ones you're going to want to target. And sometimes you just go there and if something changed, um, you know, I'll give, I'll give a good example, you know, a couple of years ago, it's been about, about three or four years ago, we had an opening day up here. Uh, it was a week of weather, like we're about to have here leading up into the opener, you know, it was 65, 70, 75 degrees or more, you know, muggy and humid every day out there just felt like a, a monster musky day, but the season wasn't open yet. And, uh, then opening day came and it looked good and the shells were getting bit off every day by muskies on crankbaits and you know, casting for walleyes and bass and stuff like that. And, you know, you have walleyes getting grabbed by muskies. And it's like, oh man, it's going to be a banger for opener. And then we had a big cold front, you know, it's kind of, it's some weather come in, skies cleared out, the bottom fell out. Temperature was, you know, was like 26 or 28 degrees overnight that Friday night leading into Memorial Day weekend. And it was like, a, you know, you could, you could just feel the energy drain from the system. You know, when you go to those shallow weed bar, weed beds, which I, the one lake in particular that we fished, a buddy and myself went to for opener. We had been out there. I ran a, I ran a crappie trip out there two days before the opener. And there's, there's, you know, we, we caught a bunch of walleyes too. They're eating, you know, plastics for crappies. We cast some cranks and caught walleyes over the weeds in the middle of the day. Like everything was full force going. There were bluegills everywhere in the shallows, minnows, everything was up shallow tight. And then it got cold and everything was gone. We went there opening morning, you know, we're all bundled up as cold. We're both looking at each other like, this is going to suck, you know, like, <laughs> but whatever, we're out. It's musky opener. Let's go give it a couple hours and we'll see what we can find. And we got out there and exactly as I described, you know, it basically like, it was like somebody just cleared the room. There was, there was not a, it seemed like not a minnow to be found, not a bluegill to be found, not a crappie to be found in the shallows. Um, and, and they all just had moved back off the break line there. And now you could obviously go and, and target those fish on that secondary bait, try to find them and try to pick that apart. But what had really happened there was just the fish shut down there waiting for it to warm back up. We fished for two hours and then we went to uh, a different lake and fished bass and, and then ended up going to fishing lake trout as well and just kind of called it the day for Saturday and picked up the, you know, it got really warm on Saturday then and turned into a nice day. And by Sunday, the muskies were up and moving better for us again. 
I guess, uh, again, a little bit of a long answer there, but switching lakes is not wrong. Um, don't get too cute on opener. Like I said, especially if you haven't been out much, go to where you have confidence, throw what you have confidence in, throw the stuff that's produced. This is going to be, I think one of those openers, at least again, pending the forecast, holding up as good, like they're saying that the fish are going to be doing what you expect them to be doing. Shallow, small blades, little glide baits, little dive rise baits. Um, and if we get uh, some really muggy, juicy conditions, don't be afraid to try some slow moving uh, prop baits. Um, not so much like uh, you could use like a Lake X, uh, you know, low bastard or something like that, but don't, more like the topper stopper, you know, and stuff like that. Some really slow moving stuff. Um, I've actually had some pretty good success on that on opening weekends when you have that, uh, you know, maybe the weather that you would you would maybe expect to be seeing in like you know third week of June. It's juicy, juicy weather conditions, but it, it seasonally it's not quite appropriate. But something to, to consider, especially if you're on a really shallow stained advanced system that's way past the spawn you answered my last question without even me asking and i was going to ask about top water i was going to say nobody this of the guests that we've had on have talked much about top water and there you go there's an answer for top water as well well you know we had uh like i said do the weekly muskie reports and the muskie academy thing and we had uh we had one group there i had mentioned it the same as i basically the same as i just mentioned to you now and in the same same context like that and we had uh one of the guys in the group there had a significant amount of, well, actually one of the guys, it was one of my previous, one of my customers, but he had a, a, a great day on top water doing that. And that was part of the report for that um, as well. So yeah, it, it's definitely one of those things to not overlook. It was probably about, I think it was actually the year before we had that big cold snap on opener. I went, uh, I think we went two for four, two for five on, uh, on top water, slow rolling, um, Slow rolling a doctor. I think it was a doctor evil actually that day, but really slow, just a normal, not, not even just, bloop, 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 you know, it's kind of a slow rolling over just like some three foot tall cabbage. And we went, uh, it was two for four or two for five or something like that uh, on the evening of, it was like Sunday evening of the opener. And I remember that was kind of one of those things where you just got, it kind of felt like that should work. And we really couldn't get other baits to them slowly enough that I just was like, oh, you know, I'm going to throw a top water. It kind of feels right. Things were kind of ahead of schedule. And uh, we ended up catching some fish, and it's just not something you hear a lot about an opener. But if you do throw it, slow it down and go for stuff that's a little less aggressive. Um, I've never personally thrown a flap tail or something like that on opener. Uh, I think it would be a viable strategy, um, if you, especially, like I said, if the conditions are right. But something more on that subtle side. The one thing I have had a um, good amount of success on in those advanced systems, though, is the little bastard from Lake X and then also stuff like a, a topper stopper or something similar to where you got that small little prop in the front, small little prop in the back. That can be something that can be, uh, it can be a, a difference maker, especially if those fish are up in that new weed growth and it is, you know, the shallow stained, you know, two, three foot tall weeds. You just can't really get another bait through there super effectively um, at a pace that the fish are willing to come up and grab it. It's definitely a viable option, something to consider. All right, Jeff, before I let you go, do you still have openings for this season? And if you do, how do people get in touch with you? I do. I have a couple of dates left, a couple of, it never hurts to ask. I guess it's kind of the motto on that. I've got a handful of, of openings. I got a few dates left for Green Bay uh, as well. In uh, in the month of August, I think I've got three or four days left for Green Bay muskie trips. And then I've got, uh, like I said, uh, not a lot, but a handful of openings for June and July uh, muskie trips. You can reach me at 920-639-6286 or uh, anything on the social media, Jeff Vandermortel, WDH Guide Service, or Muskie Academy uh, on any of the major platforms. All right. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk opener muskies with us. 
just an exciting oh, sure. time for us right now. You know, everybody's going to be back out throwing musky baits and uh, it makes this show so much better because we don't have to try to rehash the same old stuff, you know, for, for the past four months that we've been doing. And, uh, you know, we're not prognosticating what's going to happen this season. We're going to be living it, you know, every single week and, and, and getting kind of like, we'll say live updates almost from, you know, how the season progresses this year. So we just want to thank you for, for your time and wish you the best this season. Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Good luck to everybody heading out. And uh, yeah, man, looking looking forward to it. It's always uh, it's always an exciting thing to be right at the right at the dawn of the new musky season, man. I'm I'm pumped. I can't wait. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Jeff. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. That's a wrap on another episode. We want to thank everybody for their support of this podcast. I believe we're just finishing up year number. Four, going into year number five, if I'm not mistaken, on this podcast. I can't believe we made it that long. We want to thank you all for your support. And we hope that everybody gets out this weekend. If you're a northern Wisconsin muskie angler, Minnesota anglers, we're going to take care of you next week with an episode about all about the Minnesota muskie opener. And for everybody else that's just been on the water, we're all jealous of you already. And I hope everybody has a great weekend on the water if you listen to this before the weekend. We hope you all have a great season. Once again, we want to thank all of our listeners for putting up with us for another episode. We will see everybody again with a new one next Wednesday. <laughs>